Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. vacation just a few hours so we'll see what my uh my level of try is on this q and a show dnvr avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings sportsbook i'm driving the boat for you today as rudo has already left for vacation we're all very jealous uh i'm jesse montano joined by megan angley and aj hflee who just did a quick little switcheroo there uh Got our man Yaya behind the digital glass. How's everyone doing today? I know we've been chatting a little bit. I know how you're doing. Tell the people how you're doing. Megan, I'm good. doing really good. My dad called this drink pond water, so I'm drinking some pond water. Looks, looks about right. Nice. AJ, you said you were bored earlier? I am. Is that I, uh, even though we're having this riveting show now? No, so it's like Z and I have like like our work schedules are weird um, when like during the summer, during the season, it's awful because we never get to spend time together. But during the summer, it's like, especially when I'm up here, like there isn't a lot for me to do during the day, sort of except sort of like wait for the pod. Right. And yesterday I left for a few hours to go run some errands and I was going to do it again today. Uh, and then I got lazy and decided to watch the Netflix documentary about the internet's most hated man. Which, Dude, we watched that one. Which I was a pretty big interneter during all of this, and I have no idea how I completely missed all of. This. Okay, dude, do you even remember that website? No, I'd never heard of it. Have you I've seen this? Megan? No, I haven't heard of this. So you should watch a documentary. It, like it's crazy. Like it is crazy. It's nuts. But yeah, dude. I had. I was telling Hannah as we were watching it. I was like, I didn't see any of this. And I was, to your point, probably not even to the level of, like, I was very much on the internet during that age, and I didn't, I didn't see any of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting doc. The worst part was that he, well, I won't give it away. Well, good, <laughs> because I haven't even finished the first episode. Oh, because oh, so. I was actually, I was yeah, about no, to, uh, no, no. I mean, not that, like. No, but but it, it's pretty it's sure I know how it ends, so it's fine. Why, but 
you know what? I'm gonna. Anyway, point point is, uh, there there isn't like a lot for me to do during the day yeah. except do this pod in the middle of the day and then wait for her to get off work and then oh. like puppy dog around her be like, "What are we doing tonight?" What are and are she's you, like, "I don't." Are you done? Are aren't you an adult? Like, can't you make decisions and do things on your own? And I'm like, "But I'm a poor puppy dog," and <laughs> I don't I don't know. Man. I just I'm a little restless. I don't have my full battle station here, and so my gaming is more limited than it is when I'm at home and. Um, there just isn't as much for me to do here, not inside the house, as there is in Denver. So, you know, it's uh, the way I always put it, like, dude, it's just hard to be away from your stuff. I just, I, I just like, I just like having my stuff, like being home and I know where everything is. Uh, you know, I have everything I need. Yeah. So I feel you. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it today. We are gonna do. Uh, this is gonna be our our big. Well, I guess not big. Well, I'm sure we'll do another Q and A show over the summer. But uh, I think this is our first summer pod Q and A. First or second. So we're we're getting going on it. Uh, you know, it's the dead of summer when we're like, cool, we're out of ideas. Q and A time. But as always, you guys, uh, you guys come through. Anytime we put the call out on Twitter, you guys uh, have. Uh, Plenty for us, more than we can, uh, more than we can get to sometimes. So uh, I pulled as many as we could. Uh, I'm sure they're still coming in, so I'll be checking Twitter periodically. So we will be doing that. But first, uh, there was a, a relatively big bit of relevant news uh, in the NHL today, and actually, it was pretty well timed as we just had this discussion yesterday. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights did officially announce. Robin Leonard will miss the entire 2022-2023 uh, NHL season. He will be requiring hip surgery. I don't believe he's already had it. Uh, it's something that will be coming. Uh, so, look, AJ, let's start here, man. Like, we talked about this yesterday. A big part of – we were saying Vegas is taking a step back. Their goaltending, if fully healthy, still could keep him in it. Well, not even 24 hours later, not only is their goaltending not going to be fully healthy to start the season – uh, they go from having a tandem of Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard at the beginning of last year to neither of those guys available. AJ, what does this do for Vegas and their ability to compete, contend, even with the big pickups they've made over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I it's gonna make it harder, um, because even if even if Logan Thompson, like best case scenario, Logan Thompson is the real deal and the excellent play he's shown in the AHL, the excellent play he showed in the brief stint at the end of last NHL season is the real deal. He's got to do it for 55 games. Right. Even if he does that, what do you do for the rest of those games? Because it's not just Robin Leonard's health that was a question. Laurent Brossois may not be healthy either. Yeah. And so if you're if you're getting it into I think they have Michael Hutchinson also in the organization. I think he signed this year. And if if like if that's your tandem, if you end up actually like rolling out a tandem of Hutchinson and, and Thompson, you're really you're you're really in some I think you're really in trouble. So, Megan they they have work to do, man. Like they just yeah. they do. They just have work to do. 
Uh, I'm trying to see. Yeah, they do have Michael Hutchinson. They do? Yeah. I can't even... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 32-year-old Michael Hutchinson. Uh, Megan, I know you really like Logan Thompson. Uh, you know, he had a really strong finish to the season last year. He was pretty much single-handedly the only reason they were in uh, the majority of those games uh, with, you know, even a, a possibility uh, to to make a make a push. If you are rolling into the season with Logan Thompson, your number one, as someone who's a big fan of him, how are you feeling? I'm feeling that a couple things. One is that he's familiar with the starting role through Henderson, and he was able to, you know, play complete season through Henderson, with exception to times that he was called up to the parent club. And he is so much of a reason why Henderson even had a chance at the playoffs because that mm -hmm. team just didn't look the same when they played the Eagles um, there in the Calder Cup playoffs. And that was a team without Logan Thompson. And so it's a bit of a gamble, right? It's a huge risk to thrust that NHL starting job, if that's the case, on someone who's a little green. But I don't think there's anyone better for it. And I look at the gamble that the Avs are taking on Georgiev and Franco's as a goalie tandem, and it's a completely different gamble. But right. I think we're looking at a really similar unknown uh, with Logan Thompson that if I'm willing to be high on and optimistic with the gamble that the Avs are taking in their goalie tandem, I have a lot more faith too in what Logan Thompson can do for Henderson. It's the backup goaltender that is a concern for me. I think this is such horrible circumstances that have brought about an opportunity for a player that I think is ready for it. So, so you, you feel, you feel confident in Logan Thompson, like you would feel good. Really? Wow. All right. I think he's a good young goalie. I don't think that a team that is as cup or bust as Vegas is, is going to seriously trust this. Uh, I think that they're going to call San Jose for one of their 7,000 goaltenders. Uh, they should call the Islanders and ask about Varley. They should call Detroit and ask about one of Nadelkovic or Huso. Um, they, uh, they should be making a lot of phone calls today because as much as I like Logan Thompson and I'm intrigued by the possibility of, hey, how does this guy do? Uh, I don't think that an NHL front office that has – moved as aggressively as this one has is going to sit back and take that chance. I just, I don't think that they're going to do that. Um, yeah. I, I, I fully expect them to try and do something else with that position, especially because the one advantage here is that with Shea Weber and Robin Leonard on LTIR now missing out on the entire season, you're talking about, like twelve and a half million dollars of of are you? So, yeah. So you're talking about a shitload of money, and some of that was going to get taken up already for their normal roster, but now with no Leonard for the entire year, you're talking about uh, they've got a little bit of space there that they could go after a guy like Avarli if they wanted to. Um. The, he would be a little tougher because his salary is, I think, the same uh, as as Leonard's. Yeah, I was gonna say, I just, I, because I, because what I'm looking at here, and and maybe I'm just reading it wrong, 
Um, it on cap friendly. I think they already have Shea Weber accounted for. Correct on LTIR. They have him on LTIR, but they don't have his actual cap space accounted for. Oh, they don't. Okay. Yeah. I was because I was going to say with the math that I'm doing here, like Robin Leonard will bring them to like cap compliant. No, um, they're they're negative five, whatever in cap space has not accounted for Weber's LTIR. Okay. So I mean, so anyway, um, so they're going to. I think they're going to do. I think they're going to do something. Uh, and honestly, it's enough cap space. This opens them up to do something else too. Now, asset wise, what do they have to what do they have to play with? They've got first round picks. Uh, they've got a couple of thirds. Uh, like that's that's where they start, and then prospect wise, there's not a ton there. Uh, but they have a couple, of course. Everybody has a couple that another team would be like, eh, okay, I guess we like that guy. How aggressive are they going to be? I don't know uh, beyond the goaltender position, but. I, I do think that at goalie they should they should be making phone calls today, well, especially to so, San Jose. Although I could see San Jose just being like, "We don't talk to you." We'd, we'd like to continue hoarding eight goaltenders. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, you know, Megan, like, and I think AJ's probably in the same boat. I, I'm with you in terms of Logan Thompson having good upside. If you were talking, he's got to be their number one through American Thanksgiving. You know, oh. Totally. Six weeks, eight weeks. I think you're sitting there like, okay, cool. Let's see what the kids got. We can, yeah. you know, we can give them a chance. I, I just think that's such a huge undertaking for someone who's career high in NHL oh. games, 19 games. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually think it could be one of those things where everything that you said is correct and thrusting him into that could completely undo everything that he's done in my opinion you know what i mean like yeah hey this team's kind of in shambles we're in the middle of an identity crisis remember how you uh had the whole weight of the franchise on your team those last 10 games go do it again like i just think that'd be a really tough situation to put a, a promising young goaltender um that'd be a tough situation to put him in uh I, I yeah, mean, well it, and if it goes poorly you could you could break the kid Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you, kind you of, could... kind of like what happened with the Avs and Calvin Pickard all those years ago, where mm-hmm. he looked like a really promising backup. Hey, this guy could be good. This guy could be good. And then Varley gets hurt, and his season ends, and it was Pickard's net, and Pickard got broken by that god awful, terrible team. Right. I don't think Pickard was ever going to be an NHL starter, but the fact that he did not carve out a real backup role after that was something that always kind of shocked me. Because it looked like he could have been that easily. And then every opportunity that he's had in the NHL after that has gone very poorly. So it could break a kid if it goes wrong, which is another reason why I would say just turning over the keys and being like, all right, kid, let's see how this goes. It may not be the way to go. Like, There's a reason that NHL teams like to ease goalies into this kind of a role, and they don't just YOLO it at this position. Because if it goes poorly, you can you can ruin a kid and never get it back. Yeah. It's definitely a big gamble. Um, something I like about Thompson's path to the NHL is it hasn't been 
a streamlined walk in the park. He's kind of grinded it out just to get to this point. And I think that um, speaks to some of his mental constitution being pretty strong and worthy of a challenge like this of anyone else who could take it on. Um, but something I think about too is part of the title is about how this affects the team overall as a whole, as a contender. Um, and I just view Vegas right now as a boat with holes in it. And this adds another hole, but it was already, it had a couple holes already in this ship that they need to fill. And so I don't think that this completely changes whether or not that they were contenders, but it definitely harms them even more. And I just don't, I still, I think this just harms their chances, but I, I still didn't, even with strong goaltending, like even with goaltending with Leonard Healthy, had concerns about how much, how competitive Vegas could be this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point of like, as big of an issue as this is, I mean, just kind of add it to the, to the growing list here. So let me, let me just kind of get your guys' opinion. Then we can, we can move on. We can get into our questions and stuff. Um, if you're Vegas, you know, AJ, you're talking about being aggressive Megan, you are more in the camp of, well, let's see what he's got. Given where Vegas is at, given what they've done the last few years and, and all the changes, and to the point you made a minute ago, AJ, how aggressive this front office has been. With the way that things have gone, the moves they've had to make, and now the situation they're in with Leonard, are you just at a point where you almost just have to say, in for a penny, in for a pound. We're already, we've already made this many moves. We've already disrupted so much of the future. Now we just kind of have to go for it. We have to go get a starting goalie. We need to use that extra money because this, the wheels are coming off. Let's see if we can put it together. Or do you try to screech the brakes and say, we've got to get a handle on this so that we're not doing this every year as we fizzle our way to the bottom? Uh, I mean, I think they're all in at this point. Their core is already as old as it is. Uh, they've already given away multiple players completely for free. Um, I, I, I just think that the way that they are, they've promised their fan base the world. You know, they've they've said repeatedly, we want to, you know, cup in six, right? So is this, is this six upcoming? Uh, I think so, and. I just, I just think that, uh, I, I think that they've known this was gonna, this was gonna be a thing, uh, and that, uh, I, I guess I just have a really hard time believing that a front office that has jammed on the pedal the entire time right. is gonna suddenly be like, whoa, 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 we gotta take it easy at goalie because we gotta, we gotta see how it goes with Logan Thompson first. And, like, it's not even just Thompson. It's Brassois. Like, it's if because if he's also not healthy, you have a cut. Like, are you seriously rolling out Michael Hutchinson and Logan Thompson? Right, right. Like, you've got, you've got a roster where you're trying to, you're trying to squeeze out the last good hockey of a guy like Alec Martinez. Right, right. Guys, thirty-five. You're 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 just going against that grain there. You've got a thirty-two-year-old Alex Petrangelo who's very expensive and is only getting older as the years go on. Mark Stone's already thirty years old and has back problems. <laughs> right, like you got to go for it. 
Yeah. You just you got to go for it. So I, I, I think that they're in a position where they can't just punt on the year and see how things go. Uh, as much as as much as like I think that that would be a fine route to take because they could wait two months to do it and say, okay, well, hey, this isn't working, and then they can adjust from there. All the extra room that they have with the LT, with the added LTIR here means that I don't think they need to be as aggressive. Also, the Pacific Division just being so blah in general, yeah. I think eases back some of the urgency. But I also think they saw what happened last year. They got cute. They took it a little for granted that they were going to make the postseason, and they didn't. And I don't, I, I don't know how that organization doesn't come out on day one of the season with a sense of urgency that they've never had before, a little sense of desperation uh, because of how ba- how badly things went last year. I guess my read on it, and I could be completely wrong here, but my read on it is they need to go and aggressively try and get some sort of a stopgap solution at goaltender. Uh, I wonder I wonder about a guy like a Peter Mrazek in Chicago. I know he's coming off of a disaster of a year, but at $3.8 million for the next year, he could be your backup as well next season. Uh, he's He's been a starter in the league before. Salary cap-wise, he's not that expensive. Value-wise on the trade market, he can't be that valuable uh, given the year that he just had and that Chicago's not even taking this season seriously. Um, so I like I that's that's another guy where I'm like, look, there are ten guys that I could have come up with off the top of my head where I'm like, they should be calling all these teams about all these guys to try and see if they could just get get through a year with that one guy. Yeah. Megan, last question for you. Do you think teams around the league, other GMs do you think anybody's going to help Vegas out here, or, or I mean, are they going to have to pay the highest premium to if they decide they want to go out and get a goaltender or try to use that cap space? Um, you know, we've we've seen some players get moved for maybe less than what we thought. Do you think t- any teams are going to kind of hold Vegas's feet to the fire, or everyone's just trying to make the best move for themselves and they don't get too caught up in that? Yeah, I think everyone's just trying to make the best moves for themselves without getting too caught up in that. Um, I could see people less inclined to help out Vegas um, just because kind of to AJ's point about how this front office has operated and has been really aggressive. I I get the sense that this is an organization that is run that a little bit detached from reality. And that sort of speaks to the manipulation of the cap um, and even the impulse panic surrounding goaltenders historically. I don't doubt actually that they would feel the need to aggressively pursue an alternate goaltending option just in the treatment of past goaltenders that have come through this organization. Um, And so I think that AJ is exactly right. I just wanted to speak to that, um, that they're going to start this season with a sense of desperation and panic um, because I think that is consistent with what we've seen out of this front office so far. But I think it would be a mistake because I think they need to commit to a different solution because they've tried to shortcut uh, ways to build a team and it's sort of crumbling around them at this point mm-hmm. uh, so a stopgap solution at this point doesn't really address the cultural issues that plague this organization right now oh dan you said something there that i, I could literally start us on another 20 minute thing but just the cultural issues and and what are things looking like behind the scenes there um 
we're doing our Q and A show today, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the Vegas stuff. But uh, Megan, genuinely, I would like us to revisit that at some point here in the next week or two as this kind of continues playing out. Because I I think it's a great point of everything we just talked about. You know, there's some variation of it that like, cool, you can get on board with that sounds good. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. Vegas has bred. We we've talked so much about the the very positive culture that has been bred in, in the Avalanche locker room and throughout the organization, starting with Joe Sackick and you know, accountability and this, that, and the other. We almost kind of see it go the other way. And I I hate using this term because I think it's thrown around a lot now, but it, it almost seems like something is like kind of poisoned the Vegas organization from the inside out. And I don't necessarily mean like in terms of them being bad people, but it just seems like we've seen this really bad domino effect. And I think their culture has uh, a lot to do with that and until they get that straightened out. I don't know if any amount of stop gaps, all in trades, whatever. I, I don't know how much that's going to help. So I think that's a good point. Uh, this is the DNBR avalanche podcast, not the golden Knight podcast avalanche podcast. Uh, brought to you by our good friends over at DraftKings. <clears throat> and right now, you can get in on the hottest sports action for your shot at cold hard cash with those good friends over at DraftKings. Uh, bet on your favorite sports all summer long. Gear up for football season, uh, which is kicking off this weekend. Make sure to head on over uh, to the DNVR Twitter page and the DNVR.com to get a bunch of uh, info about all kinds of fun stuff that we're doing to help uh, kick off football season this weekend. And over at DraftKings, new customers can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Just make your first bet, again, up to $1,000. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get another shot at a big win. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless, and they really are. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Again, that is code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 year older. Colorado only, new customers only. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you guys by some of my great friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Uh, I have to go on this tirade every time I do the Green Mountain Dental read. Uh, I hate the dentist. I hate going to the dentist. I'm not about the dentist. Started going to Green Mountain, and they have converted me. I'm a dentist person now. I'm starting to. Uh, I'm trying to go regularly. Uh, honestly, they're awesome. Uh, they're quick. They're super friendly. They are all big Colorado sports fans, just like all of you listening uh, to this. They've been a huge supporter of DNVR from the very, very beginning, uh, back when you know we were in our old BSN days uh, down in Lakewood. Uh, we've had countless fans and our own staff, myself, convert to Green Mountain Dental and never go back. I'm starting to convert my family at this point. Uh, located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood, uh, CSU alum, Dr. Ben, who is phenomenal and his team have you covered from general dentistry, like cleanings, orthodontics, such as removing those pesky wisdom teeth and everything in between. Uh, tell the team at Green Mountain Dental, once you get down there, that DNVR sent you and you will get a $300 discount towards a full orthodontics treatment for new patients. 
So just tell them that we sent you down there. I am a DNVR Avalanche listener. They told me to come down and see you guys. And if you mention DNVR Sports, you get a free set of bleach trays, which is a $350 value with a new patient cleaning exam and x-ray. Uh, and lastly, for all the hygienists out there, Green Mountain Dental is hiring. Full and part-time positions are available. Uh, They're willing to work with your schedule as well as offering a great benefits package uh, with healthcare and PTO. Make an appointment or find out more. Check out their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com today. Uh, seriously, guys, I, I, I really can't recommend them enough. Uh, they're awesome. Like I said, I, I, I've been a lifelong dentist avoider, a dentist denier, if you will. Uh, but they're great. I, uh, I don't mind going to the dentist when I'm, when I'm going to green mountain. All right. We promised some Q and a, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to kick it off here before we get going on the Q and a, do either of you guys have anything just you want to get off your chest before we start firing off questions? I appreciated how many people ag agreed with my Tim Hortons feelings. Yes, dude. We all we all wish Tim Hortons was a better experience. We can actually just end the show there. Like, I think that's about it. Uh, sorry, reaching out to our fantastic marketing folks. Uh, all right, I'm just gonna kind of go in order here based on how I've got them. selected and i'm going to start here because it's 100 percent spot on it's at hockey wheelsy wheelsley can you discuss the e60 abs wings doc yet jesse wants to talk about it have you guys watched it yet no no both both disappointments to oh, me right now it's all apology accepted but i am disappointed I would like to be able to talk about it at some point on the next. I will watch it. I, uh, I promise that I will watch it before the end of the month. All right, fair. Uh, for the F one guys, AJ today, uh, Megan, are you an F one gal? See, I haven't gotten into it yet. Does Lewis Hamilton being part of the Broncos ownership change your rooting interest in F one races, teams, championships? No. Uh, it doesn't. I already really liked Lewis. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah, so perfect. I I still really like Lewis. Um, just uh, I'm I, I I think I'm more Team Roscoe than I am Team Lewis because his dog is his dog kills me. Oh, his dog cute. is so cute. Um, but no, I I I love Lewis. I think he's great. I think he's a great role model. I think he's a great face for sports. But um. You know, the guy, the guy rules and he's an all time great at what he does. So, yeah. um, you know, team Lewis all the way, not gonna, not gonna root for him on races against Ferrari, but if he ends up on a podium, it never bothers me. Perfect. And yeah, you got, got some local ties now. Uh, he already yeah, did. He's, he's owned a house in Colorado for a oh, long really? time. No, yeah. I, meant, I, meant, I meant your rooting interest has some local. Oh yeah. 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 Um, Megan, I'm going to start with you on this one. The Colorado Eagles, this is from, uh, at L L Louie L Lou one E. Uh, the Colorado Eagles have seen a lot of change in player talent this summer. 
What are we thinking are the realistic expectations for so many new guys on a new team this season? I think as a whole, the Eagles are going to take steps backwards where production is concerned because the players that left happen to be among the league-wide top scorers, even with Jordan Gross as the HL defenseman of the year. Um, so I broke it down by like a projected top six, and you'll notice that this isn't six actual players. It's people who will be competing for this job. Bottom six, similar explanation, and then what the decor might look like. And this, to give you an idea, I think defensively is where they do get better defensively, but they're going to take some steps backwards uh, with production as a whole. So the top six I'm projecting to look something like Maltsev, Megna, Hudon, Sedlak, Kaut, Bleed, and Foodie competing for that top six mm -hmm. role. And then in the bottom six is where it gets a little bit messier. Um, I'm projecting Olison, Burke, Bocage, Ranta, Smallman, Wagner, Smith to be there. I'm not sure what's going on with Shane Bowers. We haven't heard an update if he's going to come back to Colorado, if he's shopping for other options, um, but he has not accepted his qualifying offer. So that would be someone in that bottom six role as well that's competing for a job. And then within the decor on that left side, Brad Hunt, I expect to be top or second pair. Keaton Middleton, Wyatt Amit, Rob Hamilton, and Zerubalov. And that's where it gets a little confusing is I don't know where those plug in because Hamilton's a veteran utility type player. He'd be great for that role, but little Z is untested. Uh, on that right side is Jacob McDonald. Josh Jacobs, I think, are going to be pretty solidly in the top one or two pair on that right side. And then Nate Clerman. That's where there's a little bit of a drop off in what is possible for the bottom pairing for the Eagles decor unless they have someone play on their offside because they're a little left-handy heavy at this point um mm -hmm. so defensively I think they get better up front there's a lot of question marks AJ and I were talking about this before the show how it remains to be seen if some of these players stick with the parent club past camp um someone asked about a sleeper player I'm hoping for Foodie to have a breakout year because I think that he's going to have an elevated role now that the forward group has sort of changed a little bit. Um, obviously, this is the year you would like to see some of the young prospects get heightened opportunities too. So that's another hope for the Eagles. But I know someone's bummed about Ranta in the bottom six. He has a lot to prove. Um, he just didn't settle in too well after that call up, you know, with the Avs to start the season and then spending the rest of the season with the Eagles. I think he is going to have to really compete uh, even to get a bottom six role because he was sort of being switched out as a healthy scratch between Olasen and Ranta at the end of last year. Um, and, you know, Olasen's new. So that kind of makes sense why he's making that pro debut and might be left out of the lineup. There are a couple games at the tail end there, but Ranta has a lot of work to do. Um, so anyways, that's the gist of it. Definitely. A lot remains to be seen, have some concerns, but the hope is that this is heightened opportunity for the young prospects. And then, of course, Eustace as the starter is another great opportunity for him to get a full season, lots of reps in, and we'll get a better idea for his consistency and mentality um, just because that is a lot of responsibility to take on as the starter. Um, so great, great look at Eustace as well next year. You said something there that I just, we didn't, pull the question, but it was something we all kind of talked about. And I just kind of want you to put it out there. Um, there's a question about how many games in the NHL do you think Oscar Olison gets? And I just want to point out, cause you, you listed him there in your bottom six. And it, as 
you, you, you like the prospect, you like the shot. There's still a long way to go for this kid. Yeah. Definitely. He has a lot of great tools. Um, and a lot of it is limited body of work to judge him on at the AHL level. He only played a handful of games. And so he could better adjust to the pace in a way that I'm not anticipating um, and earn an even more elevated role. But the difficult part is in that top six, the wingers that he's competing with are just such a cut above because they have more experience at this point. It would be hard for him to break the top six in that case. But if he took a huge step forward, there are so many wonderful things about him as a player that could make it feasible. Uh, it, there's just a little bit of ways to go as far as adjusting to the pace. And even just some of it's actually the pace that led to some of his mental lapses too. So I think once he gets adjusted to the speed, we'll have a better idea of what Oscar Olison brings to the table. This comment that I just pulled up here just real quick. It says, uh, yeah, it kind of feels like some of the guys we were hoping would be fighting for NHL slots have stopped developing. And like, this is, this is just kind of how it goes. Like the NHL is a really hard league to make it into. Um, the reason that you hope you have so many prospects playing your AHL teams that one of them matriculates out. Um, it's tough. You know, you, you, you feel good about guys, guys start training a certain direction, you know, Sampo Ranta coming out of training camp last year. We were like, shit, this guy did enough to make the team. What's his next steps going to be. Uh, and then, yeah, it's really, it really kind of has gone in the other way. So, uh, it's, an, it's unfortunately how it goes. It's why you want as many uh, kicks at the can as you can get. Um, by the way, the F1 question was at Blue Rose Druid. Uh, I just didn't call that out. Uh, at Avs, Zach, I need your guys' your guys' opinion on this hot button issue. Gun to your head. Is it more optimum to have a shower to end your day or to start your day? You can only choose one, and it's... It's start your day, like running away for me. I also start my day, but I see the merit in like you're going into a bed of clean linens. You probably want to have a shower at the end of the day, but I just like the refreshing wake up of a shower earlier in the day. Gets me going. AJ? Uh, I'm a nighttime shower guy. Now nighttime shower. Yeah, I do it before bed. Um, Some days... uh, I'll do like a like a midday one if I've depending on the kind of day that I've had. Um, I find just showers I just find very refreshing in general, so I I like taking them. I love a shower, yeah. Um, so even if it's like you know, like not like the full shebang, but more like get in and like let the water just kind of run down you for a minute, and then you hop back out, like like just like a good quick rinse. Like I'm down with that too, man. Like I that's smart. Yeah, but I I much prefer. Um, it's funny because the first half of my life, it was I was a I was a very early morning person, uh, up at five or six o'clock every day, and uh, would sh- I was a morning shower person because I was like, oh, it helps wake me up and this and that. Yeah. And uh, now when I wake up, I just feel like if I have to shower, like to start my day, I'm like, because uh, I just want to get up and go. And if I feel like I'm have to like take a shower first, I'm like, God, what a pain in the ass! Should have this last night. See, it's it's yeah. For me, it's just become which I think is kind of like what you're alluding. It's just kind of become like part of my routine now. That's just 
that's just part of getting like the morning time. Now I will say now during the off season, we're like a lot, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, a lot of what we do is virtual. Yeah. Sometimes I'll put a little bit less emphasis on it, but during the season it's get up, you know, use the bathroom, brush your teeth, get in the shower. Like that's just like how my morning checklist, excuse me, goes. Um, yeah, so it is funny uh, how everyone gets in their routines. Uh, at Mike Elliott seventy nine, seeing a lot of articles about Connor Bedard. How good do you think he's going to be, AJ? <laughs> um, what do you want from me? Uh, I think. <laughs> I, I think by his third season in the NHL, he'll be a top five player in the league. Wow. Um, if not top two behind McDavid. Uh, I, I just think that he's, <laughs> he does everything. Uh, he's, he's the full package. He, when you're looking at prospects, there isn't really anything that you're asking from him other than physically mature and get a little better at all the things he's already exceptional at. Because uh, if he continue, he's, he's the real deal. He's a franchise player. He's a true number one. Uh, this is not one of those years that you're going to be talking about a down year. There are guys in this draft class in uh, Mitchkov and Fantilli uh, that, that could have been number one in other draft years, and those guys are going to be fighting for getting picked second um it's it's an extraordinarily stacked draft year at the very very top uh there's a reason that multiple teams are just like i'm good when it comes <laughs> to the season um because there's there's the kind of player that you can only get by bottoming out at the right time right and if there's one thing that chicago has done well it's they've picked this year to just do it. They ripped off the band-aid. They they blew through all of their decent depth. They got rid of anybody that might be able to help them and sabotage the plan like what happened in Arizona last year. Yeah. There are no <laughs> saboteurs among them. They they are brutally bad uh for a reason and it's because Connor Bedard is the great he's he's the next great hope there. Uh I I me personally uh, I think he's going to be a Crosby, McDavid-esque caliber of player where 10 years from now it'll be his league and we'll be looking at that guy like, Jesus, this kid, can anything stop him? I'm, I've been, a, I mean, that's, that's a guy that like we've been watching since they were 14 years old. They're so special. And they just keep yeah. living up to it. And well, the one area where... Because Shane Wright was looked at this way, this way too. Yeah. Until COVID canceled that one year, he didn't play competitive hockey for an entire year, and I think we're seeing a massive, massive problem uh, develop with the OHL, like that group of guys that they just they got stunted just a little bit and. How much does it hold them back? We'll see. Um, but uh, like, 
if if Shane if Shane Wright uh, hadn't lost that year, who knows what would have happened? I st- I still think he probably would have gone first. He still probably should have gone first, in my opinion. But Bedard is not a guy that I think we're gonna we're gonna conjure up reasons to to question. And the only the only thing that people might have a real problem with is his size, and then. It, 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 that should be a paper only problem because if you watch him play hockey, you have no concerns about him. None. Yeah, you mentioned that you know you everyone's been kind of keeping an eye on this kid for what feels like ever now. For real, like I remember when I first started hearing about him, like oh, so he's like coming up here in the next couple drafts. Like no, no, twenty twenty three, five five six years away, whatever you know at the time, and you're like oh, okay, and it just it feels like we've been hearing about Bedard for so long. Uh, and it's just, you, you were at the point like, is this even a real kid? Is he ever actually going to be drafted? Like, is this just, uh, you know, whatever. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's cool to see him, uh, finally be here. It's going to be a shame when the devils move up eight spots to fucking win the lottery again. My, um, my, my fear, my fear is that this, this goalie thing in Vegas keeps oh. them Keeps them from the postseason, and they win the lotto from like the eighth spot or whatever. I think they're too proud to commit to a tank. Yeah, no, they can't tank. I think they're too good for that. But I think if they if the goalies betray everything else that they do, and they they miss the postseason, but they're like the eighth worst team, they'll win that lotto, and then then we'll all have hell to pay for dancing on their graves. Yeah, yeah, they'll get the last laugh. Um. Do a couple more here, then we'll take a quick little uh, break. Uh, at Cody one underscore K underscore no underscore B. Um, during the players' days with the Stanley Cup, which moments they shared have you enjoyed the most? Uh, this is a good question. This is where we're different. You thought this was a good question. You've probably been paying attention to it. I don't care. I don't care even the slightest bit what they do with the cup. They could they could they could lift they could turn the cup upside down, lift it up like a big sword and go into battle with it and I wouldn't care. I I just uh, don't give a shit. I follow Philip Pritchard and he's been posting every day. I Jared Bednar took it to the Humboldt Broncos rink and their little memorial and all that stuff. He played for the Broncos uh, as a kid. Uh, they did, you know, they did a whole thing with the cup in front of all the player, you know, the players' numbers and names and the memorial and all that stuff. I thought that one was just, uh, I thought that was phenomenal because everyone's kind of doing a lot of the same stuff, you know, just in their home cities, parties, uh, you know, clubs, that type of shit. Uh, I love that Bednar did that, took it to the the home of the Humboldt Broncos, uh, and then I loved what Kale and LOC did the other day. They uh, they took it out on the boat together. I thought that one, uh, I thought that one was great. A speedboat, no less. Yeah, yeah. It was not a casual drift down the river. They were like, hey, we're doing this thing. Yeah. Yeah, fuck your boat parade in Tampa, moving all slow. We're boat racing. Like they did in the postseason. They only know one speed. (laughs) Megan, do you have a boat race? Darcy Kemper's, uh, one of his adventures with the cup was bringing it to a hospital and spending some time with the children there. Good goalie. Thank you for your service, Darcy. Uh, I, I do. I, 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 those are the ones that I think I've enjoyed the most where, cause we did that. Um, you know, if you had a day with the cup, what would you do? 
and and you know Jerry Bednar, he I, you know he still took it and did some stuff with it. But I I, just, I liked the the couple guys that have um, had some kind of uh, ulterior motives and have taken them somewhere else for other people to enjoy and that type of shit. You know, I think that's really cool. Uh, all right, at Rory underscore McCollum. What's Jesse's opinion about people who leave their shopping carts in the middle of the grocery store parking lot? Look, this just goes right back to what we talked about, whatever that was, last week, two weeks ago. Inconsiderate, oblivious people. I'm the only one that matters. I can leave this here because I'm leaving. It's like Lou Lamorello handing out a seven-year deal to Nazem Kadri. I'm not going to have to deal with that later. I'll do whatever the fuck I want. It's like, it's just, it pisses me off when people do it especially the worst part is you see people do it like around five, five 30 when everyone's stopping at the store on the way home from work. It's like, Oh, nice. Got to pull in real fast, quick little space. Nope. Go fuck yourself. I'm an inconsiderate person. And I left the cart in everyone's way. It's not hard. I saw, I saw a thing recently, recently uh, at some point in my life. I don't know if it was recent, Uh, but it always stuck with me that, uh, the shopping cart test is the ultimate test if you're a good person or not. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because because if you're if if you're willing, because it it for nobody the the like they're designed <laughs> for it to be easy to return to. Right. It's not it is not a major sacrifice when 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 you have to go and return the shopping cart. Okay. And there is a designated spot. There are multiple designated spots in most parking lots. There are multiple designated spots for these things to go. It does not take very long for you to walk back, put it into its proper place, and walk back to your car. It's respect for the uh, respect for the place, respect for the people who have to uh, go and retrieve those carts and put them back. It's just basic respect. We're in a fucking society here, okay? Right. We live in a civilization. <laughs> we have to work together. To keep the thing built up, and these animals, dude, that are that that ditch things in the middle. It, it's like when people ditch items in the middle of stores, and I'm like, you can't decide halfway through the store that you don't want ice cream, and you drop it in the clothes aisle. Oh will ruin the item, and it will like come on. See, I, I've seen stuff where people like leave a bag of chips, you know, yeah, in, in the Walmart clothes section. And, and while that's still shitty, you should just go take it back, whatever. I'm fully with you to do like when you see, I, I was in King Supers recently at some point in my life, and someone had left two different types of milk. It was like an almond milk and like a 2%, just like in the cookie aisle. I was like, that's dangerous. Like if they put that, you can get someone sick doing that. If they, you know, if it ends up making its way back to the milk thing four hours later, but like, it's too late. It's just, it's just inconsiderate people. There's a weird sense of entitlement. I don't have to deal with it. It's part of why I think that to graduate from high school, you should be required to work one year in the service industry, retail food, uh, you know, even like call center stuff where yeah. you have to be on the receiving end of that. I just really do think you can tell when you hear people in public, the people that have worked in those types of jobs before versus the people that haven't it's people that haven't are dicks. If you can't, if for some reason you're in such an insane hurry, you, you can't make it to the cart return 15 yards away. 
push it up on the sidewalk, like get it out of the street, get it out of somebody's way. You're being inconsiderate to the store and the people who work there. At least have the common courtesy to like your fellow shoppers. Just get it the F out of the way. It's really not hard. Yeah. Really it's, not hard. The people who leave the, the people who leave carts in like randomly scattered about are the same people yeah. who clap on an airplane when it lands. Yeah. Dude. Buddy, Dude. stop being that guy. All right. You actually just spurred a thought for me that I'm gonna get to right after we get to Breckenridge Brewery. Well, we're not going to be getting to Breckenridge Brewery by the end of the show. We're going to talk about Breckenridge Brewery because uh, they are the official beer of DNVR. We will once again have their beers on tap once the DNVR Bar 2.0 gets rocking and rolling here in just a few weeks. Uh, yeah, well, their beers on tap, well, their regular seltzers, uh, they're in the bar. You guys know we love Breck beers. I say it all the time. I'm pretty sure Rudo's blood is like 30% Avalanche Amber Ale at this point. We uh, we make that joke and people think that means he's drunk all the time. Guys, he's not. I promise. No, I just mean that. I just mean that in terms of like that's the only beer I've ever seen him drink. When he has a beer, when he has alcohol, it's Avalanche Ale or nothing. He's got brand loyalty. It's not that he's drunk all the time. It's just like my dad used to tell me I was going to turn into a chicken finger when I was a kid. <laughs> Love chicken fingers. Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion, and there is no better way to watch a game than having some Breck Brew. Uh, they've been doing it for over 30 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. Try out some of our favorites. Uh, I always, this whole summer, I've been talking up their lemonade seltzers. They're fantastic. They have a little bit of extra oomph in them than just uh, you know your standard seltzer. You have the Avalanche Amber Ale, the Juice Drop IPA, Summer Pills Shandy, and one of our favorites, the Strawberry Sky, also the Vanilla Porter Jr. Use the Breck Beer Locator to find out where they're being sold near you. Uh, they're hard to, it's hard to find a liquor store that doesn't have Breck Brew to some extent now, but if the one by your house doesn't, uh, get on that Breck Brew Locator app and find where they are nearest to you. DNVR Avalanche Podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, AJ, Megan, what? Megan and I are fighting. Oh, okay, I'm all right. I'm pro clappers. I'm pro the wave. Oh, oh. I think people should do whatever they want that brings them joy. You're a pro pro air. Are, are you also like a pro end of the movie clapper? I mean, I don't really want to endorse this behavior, but I don't have a problem with it. I don't have any issues with people doing the wave. I don't have any issues with people clapping at the end of movies. Clapping at the, when a flight success, unless that flight has had many problems or there is severe weather, just keep it to yourself, guy. That guy just doing his job. Okay. All right. This is one that I, people criticize what I do, but I see a ton of logic in it. And I don't get why other people do it. Standing once the plane is landed. We, I think, I feel like universally outside of those people, we all hate those people. Oh, see, I do it every time. Oh my god! Every time, I don't get what I'm not trying to push past anyone. It's two things. It's two things. One, I've just been on a plane. I like the aisle seat. I like to be able to get up and stretch my legs at my seat when the plane is when the when the plane ride is over. And two, how much how much have I been talking about inconsiderate people? I do it, reach up, get my bag. I stand at my seat with my bag, 
stretching my legs so that when it's my turn to go, once everyone in front of me is gone, and I always let the aisle across from me go first, I'm fucking ready to go and get off the planks. I know people behind me got places to be. I think the awful people are the ones who stand there after 15 minutes. It's their turn. Like, oh, what? Wait, hold on. I got to collect my napkins and I got to get three bags. I got to reach up and get a purse and I got to grab this from the seat. It's like, yo, we are trying to go places. Have some common courtesy for the folks behind you and be prepared. I agree. The people that try to like get up and push past other people to like jump line on the plane, those are the worst people. They're the worst. They should have to wait in the back. They should have to wait. Oh, yeah, society. Right, right. Wait your turn. But I just am someone, wait your turn in a respectful way and be ready to go. I'm I'm always a stander in the aisle. I, I stay in my little seat area. I don't encroach on anyone else. And I also offer to help other people who I can tell are looking for their bags. Oh, is this your bag? So I can get the F off of here a little bit quicker. That's the way you do it. If you stand up and you're trying to push past people, go to lunch. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You're the worst. Uh, so I just, we were talking about airplanes and clapping. Clapping on airplanes. Don't do that. Don't push past people. Ugh. I want to be clear that I don't clap on airplanes. <laughs> no, plane clapper, Megan Angler. <laughs> uh, I want to clarify. Should be your next introduction on the uh, NHL Network or on uh, on the radio. Noted, noted plane clapper, Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never get invited back. And see, look, this is the other point of standing. If I, I if I see people are coming from the back, yeah, let's let them by, let them off. Those uh, that's it's why it's important to be prepared and aware of your surroundings. I don't need to stay sitting so that other people can walk. I can just be aware. I like I like this comment that says people who clap aren't bad, they're just untrustworthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clappers are cops confirmed. Clappers are cops. Narks. Narks. Uh how do you guys feel about the trend? I know I don't know if either of you are like real big into like superhero movies and stuff, but the way like people post videos of people like screaming and clapping and cheering in movies as if it's at a sporting event. And I was like, oh, this is so sick. It would be awesome to be in a theater like this. I'd be furious. Uh, I, uh, I've i seen, like, clips from, like, Endgame. Yeah. With the, with the Avengers Assemble and everybody losing their minds. Yeah. I would have been all about it in that case. Because you're talking yeah. about, you're talking, you're talking, like, 15 years worth of watching movies. It's <laughs> all built up to that moment. I'm losing my shit. Like I'm, yeah. I have no bones about that. But if you're in like Born Ultimatum or something, <laughs> like, like yeah, like yeah, get up, like just calm it down, Chief. Because yeah. I did that once upon a time when I when I went and saw the first Lord of the Rings movie, and I got very excited when that orc got his head cut off. Uh, and I was that guy. I was super into it. I was all about it, and it was just awkward for the people with me. <laughs> as, as I'm sure homie in the chat can confirm because he was there that day. So, so you mentioned Lord of the Rings at Darth uh, Babu Frick. Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings versus Harry Potter. For me, it's Star Wars all day long. <laughs> See, what? he was there. Yeah, oh, oh, is that him? That's the confirmation of my story being true. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 I was there. Holy yep. shit. I was uh, so into it. It was awesome. So are you Lord of the Rings? 
versus Star Wars? Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Oh. Easily. Easily. I'm Star Maybe. Wars. Star Wars? I've right. seen every Star Wars. I haven't seen every Harry Potter. I've seen a good amount. I like Harry Potter, but I can't say I'm as committed. All right. Here's my one of my like deep, dark secrets. I have seen, I think, like a combined seven minutes of Harry Potter movies. Uh, I don't think movie. if you didn't grow up on the, if you didn't read the books, the movie series isn't going to be nearly, it's just not going to hit the same. Yeah. Um, I think reading the books was a vital process uh, in, in the whole appreciating, appreciating that franchise. I think Star Wars is fucking terrible for the record. Well, so here's I think the thing: the nine, main, the nine main movies are actually brutal to sit through, and watching them brings me physical pain because they're fucking horrible. But I will say, the Star Wars offshoot stuff, like I loved Solo, I love Rogue One. Uh, Rogue One's like one of my favorite movies, watched, just like in general. We watched Kenobi recently, and I thought it was oh. fantastic. It was I, I've, I've I've seen a bunch of the the Clone Wars stuff, like I absolutely love the star wars offshoot stuff and i think the main movie series is brutally bad so great action set pieces to carry the way like great action set pieces but in terms of actually like watchable movies please kill me the uh we may have actually even talked about on here recently The, the original trilogy i i love star wars i'm a big star wars person the original trilogy is enjoyable for nostalgic reasons. If you go back and rewatch those movies, to AJ's point, they just really aren't great movies. And like they're from the 70s, like sci-fi 70s movies. It's just it's just not great. Um I'm with you. Like I said, Rogue One is like one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, I just think it's it's done fantastic. Is that uh, what we watched in Dallas? It might be. Yeah, I think it is. It is. Um, and then like the older I get, and again, it's the nostalgia type. Like I like the first prequel set. Like they're just because I remember those movies from when I was little and like watching those at the time. Uh, but yeah, for me, it's Star Wars. The funny thing for me is I think that the prequels get way more hate than is deserved. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like when I went back and watched them, I was expecting them to be like truly like abysmal, right? Yeah. And I just don't think that they were that they were poorly written. And like like Hayden Christensen's like big pickup line being like, I like sand. I was like, what the fuck is this? But like like I, I, there were moments in those movies that I found redeeming, where I was like, "Yeah, all right, cool, 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 cool." So, anyway, uh, the Harry Potter thing was—it it was a really big part of my life growing up. Um, my friends and I read the books; we read them together. Like I, like when uh, *Goblet of Fire* came out, David and I, who's hanging out in chat right now, chilling. We went and got that book together and went back to his house and actually were reading it along with each other and then talking about like the chapters and stuff when we were like, as we were like going through it. So yeah, that's, I mean, you know, like it was a big part of it. And then I went and saw those movies with a bunch of the people that I read the books with. Dude, I remember when those movies were coming out and like the second and third movies were coming out. There was a, 
went to a United Artists to see something else. Or no, maybe it was the AMC in Highlands Ranch. Big theater. Uh, yeah. And, and we went to see something else. And I remember there was two theaters showing Harry Potter where literally there was people all standing like back in the doorway watching it. Like they had, they had sold standing room tickets because the demand for those movies was just so out of control. Um, yeah. It was it, it also like low key. Like, could we just like appreciate what a cinematic accomplishment that that franchise is? They made eight movies in like like twelve years. Yeah. Well, they, and I mean, now they... and now like when when like the 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 when the MCU was happening, it was like, oh, this one will come out and the sequel will be out in two and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Like they just burned through. Yeah. The Harry Potter movies they were like yeah. all right we're making these and they just made them and it they, like it, it just like took up like a decade of everybody's lives they i mean they almost kind of like uh they almost kind of like laid the groundwork for yeah like you know stuff like the mcu and you know dc's trying to do it and stuff like that where yeah it's like these huge story arcs that are all connected that like they they almost kind of watch like television shows but they're you know they're big cinematic feature events. Uh, Harry Potter was kind of like the first, uh, first one of those. Um, all right. We'll I, take a special shout out to the chat for uh, Fast and the Furious franchise. I would also take. No. Oh, oh, oh I God. I have enough time on this show. I love those movies. For me to get into how they've taken something beautiful. That was the first Fast and Furious and Too Fast and Furious and just ruined it and perverted it in the worst way possible. That could be an entire show where I could just bitch about the Fast and Furious franchise. Megan, I know, I know that is not what I think it is. You have never seen a single Fast and Furious movie? No. I, that, wow. Look, wow. If, you're not, if you're really not into like any kind of an action movie at all, you gotta watch the first two. The first two are great. The first two are classics. And then seven through 18 or whatever the fuck they're on are horrible. Unwatchable. Or whatever it is. Tokyo Drift was all right. It's aged better. I, do you guys know how the... You know, do you guys know how that, that, that franchise got rebooted? It was... They made Tokyo Drift... And they put Vin Diesel in at the very, very, very end in the after credit seat. Like at the very yeah. end, pulls up to they him. Put, yeah. They put him into it, and that cameo set all of the Fast and Furious fans on fire. They all went nuts and were like, "We want more! We want more!" And they were like, "I guess we're rebooting Fast and the Furious." And that's literally that was literally how it started. And they've been out of ideas since, and they just keep making movies. I think they're under contract for like three more with Universal. That they had to end, they're having to end the series uh, because people people don't want to keep making them. Pe pe people were dropping other, dead in the theater watching them. People other than Vin Diesel don't want to keep making them. But the spinoff, <laughs> of, the, the spinoff of uh, Hobbs and Shaw was fun. I thought that was entertaining. See where where I I almost got I I threw my hands up in the theater and said I'm done out loud. It was I think it was the fifth one. It was right after they had jumped the Ferraris from skyscraper to skyscraper in Dubai, and yeah, then that ruled. Vin Diesel and The Rock were in a fist fight on top of a parking garage. 
and Vin Diesel smashed a cinder block on the rock's head. Yeah. And they just like kept fist fighting. I was like, yeah. I'm out. I'm out. That's how tough the rock is. That's the point. <laughs> was it seven? Oh God. Brutal. Do you guys remember that movie Redline that came out? Like it was like around Tokyo Drift. They were trying to compete. The movie was so horrifically bad. I will never forget this. We were sitting in the theater and like the the screen like cut to black. And I leaned my buddy. I was like, holy fuck, could you imagine if they started rolling the credits right now? And they did. Like it was that bad of an ending. I made a joke about could you imagine if that was how the movie ended? It was horrible. Uh I, I will also say, do you remember that they made a need for speed movie? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. It's bad. Unfortunately, it's I do remember that. Very entertaining. I loved it. It's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, Megan, Megan, your homework assignment before the season starts is you have to you have to at least watch the first two Fast and Furious movies. Oh, please don't. Those are the worst. Especially oh, my God. No. Two Fast, two Fast and Furious is so bad. It's oh, my God. So brutally awful. No. Ludacris flew a car to space in the last one. And you're going to say that Too Fast, Too Furious was bad? I actually haven't seen the last Fast and the Furious. I've been I, saving I it. I saw it in the preview. Thank God. No I've one been saving it. it. Ludacris? Oh, Ludacris, yes. Ludacris is a big part of that franchise. Yeah. He's, oh. like a, he's like a core character in the whole thing. Yeah. He and he and uh, Tyrese going at it. Yeah. <sighs> Too Fast, Furious does have the best cars. All right, moving on. At Viper 4-5, what would the NHL look like if they removed the salary cap altogether? What owners would spend? Which ones wouldn't? Honestly, just go look at how the league kind of ran pre-2005. Yeah. Toronto would have a very expensive and bad roster. Mm -hmm. And the Rangers would be the same. And hopefully the abs would be dope because they would have richer owners than they did back then. The Avs are owned by the second wealthiest sports management franchise on earth. So if you're purely looking at who has the most money to spend, theoretically, it would be the Avs. Now that's it's KSC. It's spread out over several sports teams and several leagues. Um, all right, AJ, I've got the one here that you were talking about. Uh, you were going back and forth uh, with at Jillian Murphy 28. I'm going to save that one for last. I'm going to let you and Megan kind of go on that one. Uh, a bit as we wrap up the show. Uh, Kira is asking when the robes are arriving. <laughs> We're still working on it, but it actually sounds like there are some wheels in motion. But I'm going to throw this out there right now. The the kind of deal that we have made to get it this far, uh, we, need, we need you guys to show up and order them because I've gone to bat for the DNVR Avs corner saying that the robes are not just a want, they're a need. So when we push the robes, we need you guys. We need you guys to come through. Uh, Eddie, at Eddie Blau, blue, Jesus, uh, underscore 26. What is each of your least favorite fan bases? This is a tough one. Uh... This is a question that I could have answered a lot better when I was 22 and I was a lot angrier as a person. And I spent a lot more of my energy on hating things. Uh, nowadays, I, I don't think that I spend as much energy on that as I do. Like, if I find something that I think just annoys me, I just move on from it. Um, 
I've tried to let go of a lot of that petty shit. Um, but you still have a least favorite. I know you. Do. I I I really I really struggle, man. I like I can't stand the Minnesota Wild just as a franchise, and the whole city of Detroit makes my skin crawl. Yeah. But like I I really don't know if there's a fan because like fan bases are made up of the same kinds of people. There are going to be amazing people who are wonderful who I love hanging out with and spending time with. And there are going to be some people that I absolutely can't stand that are in a fan base. Don't judge the fan base based on that, you know? Uh, and it's, and it's really hard to be like, Oh, blues fans are the absolute worst because after this most recent run, they wouldn't shut the fuck up about Jordan Bennington. Right. And it was annoying, but it was also just like, who cares what they have to say? They, they have smoked those dudes and rolled on. What does it matter? So, for me, I'm just like, eh, I'm a bad person to ask because this is exactly the kind of energy I try really hard not to waste in my life anymore uh, because it doesn't give me anything. There's no meaning for it for me to be like, I hate that fan base. And, like, well, I'm going to get some, like, virtual high fives over the next five minutes and I'm going to go on with my life being, like, like holding that anger in. I just, I, I want to, I don't want that energy in my life. So, I... I try really hard to get rid of all of this. Cool. And it's I'll bring energy into your life. I think Boston sports close. fans are really tough to be around. Yeah. Well, over the last 25 years, I mean. <sighs> yeah, there's a, there's like the East Coast aggressiveness thing built into it. I don't judge fan bases on fucking Twitter because Twitter's not a real place. Uh, a, very, a very Dave Chappelle of you. <laughs> it's not <laughs> he said that and I was like you are fucking right uh, I love that you got that though because not enough people love Dave Chappelle uh, well, I, he's, he's muddied those waters quite a bit over the last I year. judge fan bases off of what are you like in an opposing arena I love when fans travel to support their team I think it's great I, I, I think it's awesome but going back to the shoes on the couch thing from a couple weeks ago, if you're going to someone else's house, be respectful, cheer for your team, support your guys or girls. You know, if they score a goal, stand up, cheer, high five your group. It's the people that, that find it necessary to like ruin everyone else's evening around them. Cause like you said, AJ, like have fun, like what you like. Megan, you said that earlier, like to let people like what they like. If you are a Boston Bruins fan and you want to go to a game at Ball Arena and be a Boston Bruins fan, that is fine. I want you to do that, actually. But it's when you're sitting there and you're intentionally trying to stir it up with home fans just for the sake of being a dick. Uh, I think uh, I, I think those types of fan like those fan bases drive me nuts. And I, in my many, 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 many years now of sitting at or sitting inside a ball arena, I do find that regardless of how the team performs, Boston fans just come in looking to stir shit up. And uh, I'm given to understand it's very similar at Coors Field when the Red Sox are in town, uh, Patriots, all that stuff. Megan, do you have any that just like irk you? I have gotten along with just about every fan base, but the most negative interactions I've had have come from a fan base where I have lots of people I love and care about that are fans of this team. Um, so it is complicated, 
Like I know so many people, but it's Minnesota. I've I've received some of the most sexist geared criticisms from the Minnesota Wild fan base. And on other pods throughout the season, I didn't see that from other fan bases. So it stood out to me as a little bit, little bit of a problem. Also, I almost got into a fight. Someone tried to beat me up after a Colorado College DU game. Um, so probably Colorado College. Damn. I will say, somebody in chat, uh, being in Texas and going when they play the Stars, they're usually super chill. The last fist fight I've gotten into in my life was in the parking lot. Uh, uh, after oh. after an Av Stars game in Dallas, jeez, yeah, because those dudes were mad that I was excited that the Avs won that game, and I'd driven up from Houston for that, and they wanted to fight, and so we got into a fight, and it was fucked up. The next one, the next question was from a uh, at Mac Winnin, and they wanted a Megan story where something crazy happened. Someone trying to fight you coming out of a CCDU game, I think, checks out. Like, that just flowed perfectly. Yeah, um, I, was, I, I was a little antagonistic. Um, I, I was going to say, what did you do to – Did you were you provoking it? You do seem like a notorious fight provoker. I was oh, yeah, just – I was just humming the fight song, uh, like walking back to my car, and DU had just one. Um, it was a tough – tough series too like the cc fans are dumping beers on the players onto onto the bench um and these guys circled around me and they're like we want to fight and this girl in the group she's like you guys she's a girl like you can't <laughs> fight her and i don't know how they mistook me for not a girl but she's a they girl were, you can't fight her they kicked my car so i got oh, out of it pretty unscathed i probably shouldn't have done that i they, don't know they dent it wait they kicked your yeah. car yeah, they just kicked the bumper. It wasn't. Okay. It was fine. I thought you meant very, the very tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, right, we'll two, worth it. We'll That's, That's how you know those dudes are really hard. Is when they kick your bumper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They should yeah. be. Uh, we're gonna do two more, and then I'm gonna let you guys kind of go a little bit on the on the question from uh, from Julian. Uh, Julian at Avsfan zero one nine six. Can you explain what future considerations usually means and give some examples of transactions in the NHL in the past? I wanted to bring this one up because I feel like there's a little bit of a misunderstanding of what exactly future considerations is. AJ? Uh, it's either nothing or it's an AHL contract. It's, That's it. it's, it's really just a placeholder because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here on this, for a transaction to go through, there has to be something that goes... Nope. Both directions. Nope. I thought that was why they used the future considerations placeholders. Just like, mm. nope. Go back and look at the Shane Gostas Fair to Arizona trade. Literally for nothing. Not even future considerations. Literally for nothing. Yeah. The, the future considerations are more often than not, I do think they end up being nothing. Yeah. It's either an AHL, because sometimes it is like they're like, hey, we would like this guy on an AHL contract, please. Um, but it's usually. No, it's usually nothing like in baseball the player to be named later is actually a player to be named later uh and it's usually like uh a guy they've agreed on a list hey it's gonna be one of these six guys and then they pick that guy um at the designated time or whatever um and uh then that that eventually that player whenever you know <laughs> for whatever reason sometimes that's uh, timing or whatever that gets gets moved, but that's a baseball thing where they actually do that. Uh, in hockey, future considerations is, is typically nothing. 
But if it is anything, it's a guy on an AHL contract. It'd be like if the Avalanche traded Ryan Wagner last year for something. Uh, A guy like that who's under contract with the Eagles, but not the Avalanche. And they made a trade with the Hurricanes for, you know, whatever. One of their NHL players. Um, Future considerations would be Ryan Wagner's name. At Wyo Popoke? Pokey? Oh, no. Uh, who is the most underappreciated Av? They think it's Stefan Yell. No, there's a slash S after that for a reason. Oh. Being, being sarcastic. Oh. oh, oh. Uh, I've answered this actually on a couple different shows recently. Megan, do you have your most underappreciated Av? I'm going to go ever because... Well, you know, for the span of my time watching, it's Varlamov. So that's, it it was just a tough era to be an avalanche goaltender, but he. AJ, do do you have a different answer? Because that's mine. It's Varley for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone, he really went underappreciated for just how good he was behind some horrific. And and the the injuries were greatly overstated. And people, somebody always comes up with fucking Dan High Note. For me, he's the most overrated Av of all time. So cute though, because it, people talk about Dan. Everybody remembers Dan High Note, and people talk about him like, "Oh my god, that guy was so underrated." And that guy topped out in the NHL. His career high was 15 points in a season. Shout out to Jay. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put AJ on blast here a little bit. We're talking about going into opposing arenas and acting a foo. I think it was the last time I saw Jay. Maybe it wasn't the last time I saw him. We went to uh, – we were in Vegas. Not my greatest moment. I disagree. I think it is your greatest moment. It was me, Jay, AJ, uh, and then my buddy Jonathan. And we were – I mean, we were in Vegas. We all got – um you know, pretty smacked, but AJ, I think he was coming off his like first year, second year as a full-time credential in the building, everything in the press box. He was like, no, I can drink at this game. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy myself. And AJ got smacked. It was Colorado Vegas. Another pet peeve of mine. There's a dude in a Red Wings Jersey, like two rows below us. And AJ was just giving it to this guy all game long. Because he was wearing a Red Wings jersey to a Golden Knights Avalanche game. It was so funny. But shout out to Jay. <laughs> uh, at Dylan those, guys, those guys got up and left too. As they should have. <laughs> as they should have. I feel, feel bad all, about it now. All of AJ's shit talking was at full volume too. Like whatever you picture AJ's 10, that's what it was. Whatever you picture that as, you are correct. Uh, at Jillian Murphy 28 if you could take any prospect from the 2019 2020 2021 draft knowing what is known now about all of those draftees who would you pick and why and I don't remember if you guys said you're going to pick one from each or just one in general she wanted both she was curious about but, but both uh, both formats Megan so, do you have anything on this or I know this is kind of a throw it at you no, I saw Jillian's question, so I got some answers ready. But I, I think we clarified this already. Um, does 
it mean we sacrificed the selection we did make and the abs made it. No, I clar- I followed up my clarification question and I asked her, does that mean that the pick that the abs made is it's are we cool. picking somebody cool. instead of it? It's in addition to. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool, very cool. Um for so it started with twenty nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, was that weird? <laughs> So, it's not because it's it's just something that you don't normally do on air, but you do when we talk normally. <laughs> Mo Sider for 2019. Uh, oh, great one. Coveted right-hand defenseman and very mobile for his 6-4 frame. Smart, mature, good two-way defender. 2020, I had a couple of choices for 2020. I was torn between, um, but I settled on Lafreniere. I might be saying that horribly. I'm sorry. Freenier. Freenier. Just plug and play, like NHL ready, top line winger, high impact forward, good physical game. And then for 2021, Maddie Beniers. Good addition for center depth with a top six upside. Love it. Yeah, I uh, for 2019, I went with Jack Hughes um, because Jack Hughes in Colorado with this system as the 2C. Girl, please. Also, a Mo Sider as the as the second line defender behind uh, Kale McCarr. Fine, can't go wrong there. Uh, but those were for me. I think it starts with Hughes. That's that's the guy that I want. Um, twenty twenty actually had a hard time because where would Lafreniere play? Was the question that I kept asking myself. Part of his problem in New York is that he's not gotten the role that we thought he was going to get. And so it's kind of felt like, okay, this even this even strength scoring only version of him is, is the one that uh, New York fans continue to be frustrated by. And I, I just don't know if Lafreniere on Colorado's third pairing is what I, what I wanted. Um, but I so I for for that one I went with uh, Askarov as mm. as the guy uh, to get the to get the like really high end goaltender prospect into the system. No offense to Onanen, of course, but that's my chance to to not only get that guy into Colorado, but to get him out of Nashville <laughs> twofold. Uh, and then twenty twenty one, I actually uh, agree that it's Maddie Beniers who. Matty Beniers was like my guy for that draft class for like four years. So I'm not, I'm not going back on it now after his awesome NHL start last year, still love Matty Beniers and in Colorado would not have to be the man um, behind Jack Hughes. That would, I mean, him as the three C would just be like, wow, giggles. Um, and then the other part of this, if I had to pick one of those guys out of those three, uh, I would take Jack Hughes. Did you, Megan? Did you give who your one would be if you had to pick a? I didn't. Three? I I didn't think of one out of all three. Um, you know, it feels like cheating a little bit too. In hindsight, uh, with what we've seen of Avs D prospects, but I think I'd go with Mo Sider just to to round out the future. I mean, I like Mo Sider a lot. Devon, Devon Taves walks, and you're like, bye. Right, 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 right. Because, because you then then your top four slides into Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerard, Mo Sider. You're fine. <laughs> like you're 
That's no ridiculous. offense to Vaughn Taves in that situation, but you miss no beats. And uh, at that point, you definitely don't bring Eric Johnson back in that world. At the end of next year, there's no, like, even for a million dollars, you're like, not even for a million dollars. <laughs> not even for free. Not even ever, even if there's a fire. Um, all right, this is 90 minutes. Get the F out of here. Um, Anybody that was hoping for the roommate story or the Tim Peel story, uh, Jesse threw a curveball at you, and we didn't do those today. Well, I just we were talking about it before, and and our issue with both of them is there's there's a lot of backstory to it. If you like, really want the like the full picture, like yeah. we just we would have had to do those stories today as the show. Yeah. So we, I mean, we still have like six weeks before things like get going. AJ and I have been joking like we'll give Rudo and Megan a day off. And, AJ and I will just come on here and he'll do 30, 40 minutes of a story. I'll do 30 minutes of a story and, uh, and, and we'll make it real nice and tidy. We just, my problem with the roommate story has been brevity because I have it written down and it's, <laughs> it's about 5,000 words. So it's very long. Oh, we're to read it. You know, like when you load up a website now and it gives you an estimate on how many minutes it yeah. takes for a person to read it. If you were to load it up, it's like a 34 minute read. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, like we just, some yeah. of that I can cut out. But the problem is, is that the story, it's it's very long. And yeah, that's the that's the only issue that I'm like. Jeez, as much as I want to tell the story, as much as it's like one of those like holy shit kinds of stories. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we are, we're just going to dedicate a full show to those stories at some point that'll take up the whole time, but this has been going forever. So, oh my God, we are going to get out of here. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We are done with live shows for the week. Um, assuming nothing crazy happens. Uh, we have a show that'll be coming out tomorrow, but we did pre-record it. So you are getting a fresh episode tomorrow, uh, but it will not be at our normal live one o'clock time slot. Um, so we will see you guys live on Monday, but enjoy your weekend. Uh, Megan, AJ, you guys as well. Enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you guys Monday. Enjoy the show tomorrow. Uh, and as always, thank you guys so much for listening.